Welcome to Solutions, when men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a true creator, a connoisseur in positive energy, a leader of men, but knows when not to lead. He spends time thinking of ways applying action to make your reality, your finances, your life choices better. Ladies and gentlemen, the producer, the artist, the mentor, the father, the hungry hustler himself, Mr. Robin Marks. I must say that might be one of the best intros I've ever received. And I've been getting intros for a while. You you nailed it. Thank you so much, man. Man, I appreciate it. I know you say that to all the people that you host for just to make us feel special, like we try to make you feel special. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think I could even have done a better job. For, and that was one of the best intros I've heard all year. I know we're just a few months in, but you definitely set the bar pretty high. I appreciate that, brother. Are you ready to drop these gems and answer these questions today? Absolutely, man. I'm so looking forward to it. Well, let's get it started. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? Mm, that is a really good question. So there have been so many um, men in my life and women who have inspired me and kind of molded me into the person that I am today. So there is a list. But if I had to really pick one person that you really you don't have had... to pick one, you don't have to pick one. Okay, okay, great. So let me just start with my mom's. My mom's um, was an immigrant. She came to this country um, from Trinidad and Tobago. Had a fifth grade education. You know, didn't have all of the tools or resources that people have. But she knew that this was a land of opportunity, and she, you know, put her head down and she worked. And she ended up going to beauty school used to run um, you know, her shop out of her home for many years and then eventually saved up enough money to open her own shop right in Brooklyn, New York, you know, share essence. And she had a number of clients for a number of years. She operated that store. And then she was a home, a homeowner eventually in New York City. And if you guys know, you know, property value in New York is no joke in New York City. So this right. woman went from like being an immigrant with a fifth grade education to rising up to be, you know, a, um, a productive member of an American society, which is something that always encouraged me. She used to always say, like, you from here, like you were born here. So you you have no excuse if I did it. So I would say my mother was one of the, the key influences in me growing as a man. And then also my father, you know, at a, at a very young age, I moved in with my pops, you know, uh, when I was in the first grade. So I had to, you know, pretty much teach him on the fly how to be a parent because he didn't have that experience with any of his other children. So I was the first time he had to actually like stick around and raise a kid, um, which at times was interesting. You know, we we had some rough patches for us in terms of my upbringing and where we lived and how he got by. But at the end of the day, the thing that I learned from him was that he always put me first and he always made sure that I had what I need provided for me. And that's something that as a father now, it really clicks because um, there are moments when I have to make decisions that will not just impact me, but also impact my wife and my children. So my father putting his plans on hold, his future on hold to make sure that I was taken care of is another reason that, or another you know person that contributed to me as a man. Absolutely, man, great. Great answer for your mother and father. You said your mother told you that there's no excuse for you because she did it and she's not even from here. If yep. you can give me 
one gem outside of those what you just said one gem from each one that holds true for you today that you can pass on today that they gave you what would it be well my dad the biggest one for my dad is easy he he always said it's okay to walk away and i think especially me as you know coming up in the hip-hop culture you know there's a lot of aggression um and i've been in situations where i had to either like you know kind of step up or walk away and I think that as I got older and also what I'm teaching my son is that, you know, obviously there's a time to like protect yours and there's a time to defend yourself, you know, et cetera, et cetera. However, I do believe a lot of times we don't look at de-escalation as an option. And that's something that I learned from my father is that, you know, there are ways to like get out of situations besides facing the situation head on, you know, especially if it's a dangerous situation that could lead to you ending up in jail or getting in trouble or even getting injured or killed and i think that you know my upbringing i grew up in like the late 80s early 90s in new york city like it was a crazy place and a crazy a crazy time and um it was a crazy place and a crazy time so for me having him drilled at home although i faced it with resistance for much of my teen you know my teenage life and my um you know my upbringing it, it, it's something that I carry with me and I kind of share it with my son, especially when he has, you know, he comes home, he's in a fifth grade. So sometimes he comes home with, you know, experiences that I can use my past experiences to help him get through. Absolutely. Our past experience or the sum of our experiences really educate us and educate others if we use them as the right tools. Talk to me about that moment when your dad's lessons blossom, that moment when you said, hey, this is it. This is, I finally get it. Where were you at at that moment when you decided to, hey, I'm about to walk away from this one? Yeah, um, there's a lot of different um, scenarios. Um, I think if I had to like put my finger on one that would, you know, speak to this audience, it was when I was in the process of pursuing my music career, like, like hardcore. And um, in 2010, my son was born. And at the time, me pursuing my career, the way it looked, it looked like me traveling in Europe for a number of months at a time. I was uh, promoting um, my company end of the week. We, we organized hip hop events in different countries in Europe. So I was like the ambassador waving a flag for hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Going to Germany, spending three months in Germany, spending, I lived in Paris for two years, you know? And during that time, my commitment was to the music. When my son was born, I had, a you know, I had to make a decision, you know, I, I tried to in his early, his first maybe six months of life to like do the both and have one foot in and one foot out. And then I had to make that tough decision where it was time for me to kind of walk away from the way I was doing it. And God always has a plan because now today I'm more satisfied as a creator and as an artist that I've ever been. And it doesn't require me traveling for months at a time. You know, the biggest thing that fathers fight with is the balance, right? You, in one accord, you have your kids looking at you saying, you're just, you're my father. You're just supposed to be here for everything. They don't know you have your own life. They don't know you have your own aspirations and dreams, but you're looking at your kid. Hey, I'm doing this to leave something for you. or have something to put food in your mouth, but they can't even communicate on that level. If you can give advice to the father, whether he's a corporate worker or he's a nine to five worker, or he's a, or he's a hustler independent, what advice would you give to a, a man trying to balance himself out in between those like, the heavy heart they have for not being there. Mm, yeah, I, you know, one of my mentors recently, we had this conversation. I asked him, you know, how do you, how do you juggle it all? How do you juggle like being an entrepreneur, 
being a creator, being a, a you know a boyfriend or a husband, having kids, having a job, some of us as well, right? Um, and how does he handle that? And he told me, honestly, like, I'm not the best at doing it. You know, it's hard. But what I would say is that you don't want to drop the important, you know, topics, people, or responsibilities. So for me, I look at it as a juggling act, right? I'm a, I'm a student, right? So I go to college online. So I'm pursuing a degree. I'm a creator. And so I have like this whole creative existence. I'm also an entrepreneur where I have a business built around my creativity. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, you know what I'm saying? I'm a man of God, I'm a son, I'm a father. There's certain balls, if you will, or items that you're juggling that are a little delicate, right? So like my kids are very delicate. That's like, I'm juggling a piece of glass. So if I'm gonna drop something, I'm gonna drop one of the items that are maybe a little more durable and could can stand a fall and I can go back and pick it up later. But my babies, I can't drop that. So that's what I would say to any father, especially a new father, that look at them as really delicate, you know, items and materials in your life or a, a really delicate, you know, piece of your existence and make sure that you give it that extra bit of care when you're trying to juggle and juggle all of those different items. That is a great answer, man. It's like you're looking at them as precious artifacts, precious rubies. And you know, you have a, we can reference an old film here, Indiana Jones. He never dropped any of those rubies. He juggled them, but he never <laughs> dropped them. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. You ever see uh, Golden Child with yes. Eddie Murphy? Absolutely. So you remember the scene where he was taking the water across and he yes. was covering the water? It's yeah. kind of that kind of deal where it's like, you still need to get where you're going. You might have to take other things, but there's something that you're carrying that's so precious, so important that you need to just give it that extra level of protection. And that's what it's about as a parent. It's like, when our children are grown, they're gonna be in their own world. You know, we're gonna be like, hey, you're gonna call me? Like, but yeah. this is our time to kind of set them up for that. So that way they have what they need to be productive, successful, and most importantly, happy. Absolutely, you gotta put them on autopilot and make sure they're making the right decisions out there. Yep. Do you have a vision board? I've done vision boards. Um, and I'm a very visual uh, person uh, in terms of the way I, you know, do my business, but also just my creative process. Um, at the moment, I'm not looking at one, but I've done them in the past, yes. If you can give us an apex goal that you achieve and apex goal you're currently chasing, what would it be? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think an apex goal that I've achieved was I set out to pursue my music full time and be able to take care of myself, you know, with the money that I was earning from my music. And, you know, when I was traveling, um, you know, before my son was, you know, born, I had the opportunity to do that, you know, and I did that for a number of years. Um, there were times where it was harder than others, but there were times where I saved up enough money to get a little apartment. I was traveling back and forth. So that I was really proud of. Um, in terms of what I'm pursuing right now as an apex goal, for me is really just getting my degree, you know, which is a something that I've been chipping away at for the last maybe eight years, slowly but surely. Um, and it's really as just an example for my kids of not, not hey, you got to get a degree because that's really not, you know, it's not about that. It's about really um, starting a journey and then witnessing and watching and seeing the nights that I'm working hard on it and then a, and a sense of completion. That I wanna teach my children like, hey, if it's something important or if it's something that you want, even if it seems like it's an, an 
unattainable goal. It's something that's going to take too long or it's going to be a marathon that it's okay to chip you chip away at it until you get the results. So I would say my next apex goal would really just be getting my degree and completing my studies. Absolutely, man. I take my hat off to you to recommitting yourself because when we get out of the routine of life and we leave something like routine in school, it's hard for us to program and rededicate ourselves to learning and unlearning what we learn and coming back in again and resetting our different goal sets. What Absolutely. Of, well said, brother. Well said. I, I thank you for that. What type of affirmations are you telling yourself every day to achieve these goals? Yeah, I think for me, um, one affirmation that I teach to my children, but also that I practice is to just lead with kindness and lead with gratitude. You know, I, I did a lot of our work in the nonprofit sector, um, you know, and I worked with young people specifically, teenagers. And there was one girl in one of our programs who was kind of a knucklehead. She was really tough, rough around the edges. You always had to check her for cursing, bullying other kids. And I had her for four years, her senior year, I never forget it. She said, you know what? Being here with y'all made me realize that it's just a lot easier to be nice to people. Like I was mean to people because I was going through my thing. But now when I'm nice to people, it just makes me feel good. And that's kind of how I approach that affirmation of like lead with gratitude, lead with kindness. Just like, you don't gotta be mean, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and I've learned that, especially with lead with gratitude, that in my business, that's helped my business to grow because people get so often, uh, people knocking on their door to get something and it's never like, hey, thank you. I appreciate you. Like you get my messages, Jim. You know, like how I my my whole my whole deal is like, how can I offer you value? And it's just, I'm coming from a sincere place. And I and I believe that once people, especially people who are pursuing pursuing a big dream, kind of flip that switch to to turn it away from themselves and turn it outwards to the world or the other people they're trying to serve, that it just kind of makes a, a makes the journey a lot easier. And I recognize that that energy and that volume that you came with. That's why I was quick to support, quick to text you back. And that's why we're here today, because I recognize yes. the light that you were giving out. And people sometimes don't know it's the real thing, but you are the real mm -hmm. thing, brother. You are Yeah, the and you gotta be consistent though, because every because everyone, Shima, in my in my opinion, everyone is concerned that someone's out to get them. So right. like I'm a stranger, I'm reaching out to somebody on, you know, Instagram, whatever it may be, and they're like, like you you want to give me something like come on and that's the way we're programmed which is okay i it, it's my job as an entrepreneur but also just as a man of god and a you know and as a good person right i'm trying to be a good person and, 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 and serve people it's important for me to be consistent so you might not believe me the first time you might not believe me the second time but after six <laughs> messages of like he's still giving me stuff like okay maybe he's real then eventually you know it'll have that kind of impact that you want to create I think one of the most positive things I've seen out of COVID or any part of this pandemic is people want to be change agents. People are giving away the recipes right now and they really want to help other people. So much devastation we've seen as a total eclipse on how our light is shining. People are desperate to pour a light into other people. And I think mm -hmm. it's great what you're doing, brother. And I've seen you, I've watched you, and we appreciate you for that. How Thank you. No problem. How early did you start goal setting with intent? Mm. That was later in life. I, I I believe that if I had the kind of mindset around, you know, goal setting and 
you know, completion and also just enjoying the journey that I would, you know, things would be a lot different. I, I didn't really start goal setting until I was, you know, in my thirties, you know, um, and it took me a while because I just wasn't made aware of that kind of dialogue even like people do that you know it's, i knew what i wanted i wanted to be like famous and successful mm -hmm. um and i believe that you know time and also getting mentors um that, that's the biggest thing for me like if i didn't really like actively um pursue connections with people that would become my mentors I wouldn't have grown the way I grow. And that's why many of the young artists that I connect with and I work with, that I'm helping out on a lot of different fronts, you know what I'm saying? With paid services, but also free services. Like for me, I think like the minute that you put a kind of a barricade between you and serving another person because of money, that you have to kind of reframe what the reason is that you're doing the thing, whatever it is. So you know, at, at the old nonprofit that I worked for, we had a, a phrase that we use that we never turn anyone away. So it might, you might not get everything. You might not get the top shelf thing, right? But like, if somebody needs something to eat, you got to feed them, you know? And I think that that's one thing that's kind of helped me, um, you know, over the years, especially when it comes to like, you know, my mentors and, and, and really establishing the goal setting mindset. Absolutely. Which leads me to my next question, because you said that so well. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going? Mm. I think it's case sensitive. I believe that some people might need to just stay put, you know? Um, I do believe that sometimes if we're fish, right? Sometimes we'll outgrow, you know, our fishbowl. I think that some people have such a big voice, such, such a big gift, such a bright light that they can't do it in the space that they were accustomed to. They can only reach a certain amount of people or make a certain amount of impact in that um, closed space or that home space. So I really believe it's case sensitive, but for like, like the big lights, people who have a big light to shine, whether they know it or not, it makes sense to step out of your comfort zone. Now, that doesn't mean leaving your home and moving to Los Angeles. That means utilizing the resources we have around us in 2021. And I believe we can be wherever we want to, like we're connecting right now, you know what I'm saying? If we put our best foot forward and take advantage of 2021 technology. Absolutely. Technology is abrasive because because <laughs> we can go too far with it, with our with our creativity sometimes. But, we don't, but the person creating doesn't know they're going too far until it's too late. And we just need to make sure that we're actually bringing in the reins and doing what we need to do technology-wise to uh, be accountable how far we, what we give out, right? Mm -hmm. like if they have a teleportation device. I don't think we need to know about that yet. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure they got one, but it, you know, those, those types of things for me, I just want to make sure we ration it out responsibly so people won't go too crazy over technology because technology is awesome, but they got to take, give it to us in small doses. Now, yep. here you are traveling the world. Mm -hmm. Doing what you need to do. You meet a woman, you have a child. These are all these great things. You're changing your life. You're bettering yourself every day. You have mentors. You're putting all the work in. And you say you feel the best you ever felt in your life right now. Training, been running this race. Through all of that, what did you sacrifice? Mm. Man. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind 
I think I really sacrificed my 20s. Mm. Um, I believe in in that, you know, season of my life. I didn't have the self-awareness that I have now. And I made very silly mistakes, like countless mistakes. Uh, and I impacted and hurt so many people. I made some really poor decisions, personal decisions, professional decisions, artistic decisions. I did have good times. I'm not gonna say like my 20s were a waste or a wash. Like I said earlier though, if I had some of the tools and some of the knowledge and you know, some of the skills that I have now, there's no telling where I would be in life, but that wasn't meant to be. So those sacrifices led me here. Absolutely. We are the sum of our experiences. But if you can get in the DeLorean and go back in time right now to give yourself, give yourself two keys of advice to add to your tool belt, what would it be? Just two. <sighs> two. I would say the first one would be to not do drugs. That would be the first one, you know, is to not do drugs and not overdo it with alcohol. I would say maintain a more sober mindset or a sober physical, you know, position, just because, you know, it just makes things a lot easier when you have it to, when you can think clearer for me, at least, you know, I have a lot of friends who, who smoke and stuff like that, and that's fine. And they operate and they function. But for me, I didn't really lift the veil off my eyes until I kind of cleaned my system out. And now, you know, years later, it's like I, I can see things clearly. So that's the first one. The second one would have been just to go ahead and finish school right then and there, get it out of the way. Um, you know, when I was fresh out of high school, just to do that instead of me having to like, go, like rebuild the, you know, the, the, the kind of endurance, the, to the academic endurance to, to go to college, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, as an adult and balance all of this, it's, yeah. it's, it's the pits, it's no fun, you know, exactly. but, um, that's, those are the two things that I would, uh, tell myself. You know, the word focus comes into mind and I, I like to break up words now. And when I look at the word folk, it, 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 it really speaks about where we should have been at and how we are defining ourselves. So I challenge everybody to look up the word folk and then look up the word us. Mm. It pretty much tells you what your focus needs to be to apply yourself at, it, at any time and that it becomes a form of tunnel vision. And it's the word focus so strong. I'm not gonna dive too much into it on the show here today. I wanna give you guys some homework where you actually go and look up the word folk. So shout out to the word focus, which is super important. You wouldn't, I think you were telling yourself you needed some more focus and more alignment. For me- Oh yeah. Yeah, for me, the hip hop culture, man, that's what, that's what comes with it at first. We all talk, most of us, and I'm gonna say all, oh, I wanted to say all, oh, most of us come out guns blazing, drinking, smoking, because that's what we think the overall energy is just to be a part of that rites mm -hmm. of passage. But then when you start to know and grow yourself, you realize that you want to have control of yourself full time. And you can't do that underneath the influence of anything, even the music. Yeah, uh, uh, yo, you, you nailed it. Right. Absolutely. But it takes a while to learn that. And hopefully this particular podcast will teach you how to learn that in your teens and early 20s. So you have more time to enjoy who you really are supposed to be. 
Yep. I love that. I love that you created a space for this conversation because I think that many podcasts, and I'm sure they're really, you know, good podcasts that do similar things, but the fact that it's talking about or it's connecting with fathers and kind of like young fathers, especially, it's just amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud of you, man. I, I, and I appreciate being here. I mean, I appreciate that. Let's dive a little deep here now. Mm-hmm. I want to know about your lowest moment, but I just don't want to know about your lowest moment. I want to know how you got up. This is for the people right now that need to know how to get up, how to function in those low places. Your lowest moment when you feel like you didn't know yourself. Mm. Yeah. I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, my senior year of high school. Mm. And this is the Honestly, this is something that I don't talk about often, but I recently spoke, shared this story with my son and it hit him because he's going through something similar. Um, and I am going to share this story on a, you know, a podcast uh, of my own. And I, you know, I, so I want to share it with your audience because I think it would somebody out there may be experiencing something similar to it. So my senior year of high school, I was like, you know, you know, doing things that was that that was negatively impacting my body. You know, I won't go into detail, but um, and that uh, Christmas, I would always go to visit my mother in New York. So I went to high school in North Carolina and I would travel to New York and spend some time with my mother. And I went to go visit my mother at the time. She was dating a guy that I wasn't so fond of. Um, he was maybe a little too close to my friend's age, you know, um, a lot younger than my mom. He was in his twenties, but like I have friends at me at 16, 17, I have friends who were in their twenties, you know? So not, that didn't sit well with me. It really um, angered me actually. And, and I resented him. I was really had a lot of hate towards him. Long story short, Christmas Eve comes, my mom's is sleeping. She, she, like I said earlier, she was a, a small business owner. And so she like opened the shop, closed the shop, 18 hour shifts. You want to say you want to jump in? No, I thought you were going to say that. Um, so 18 hour shifts, you know, so she worked these long hours, you know, keeping her lights on for her, for her business. So Christmas Eve, she worked and then she came home and she was sleeping. This guy calls, he calls. I'm like, she's sleep. Click, click, you know, there's no cell phones back then. Um, and then he, you know, she wakes up and she was like, who is that? I was like, it's that, you know, that lame or whatever. She's like, why didn't you give me the phone? Like, because you're sleeping. She's like, well, I'm a grown woman. You can't tell me, you know, like when to sleep. I was like, mom, like right. you need to sleep. Right. So she's mad at me now. So she gets back on the phone with the guy. They talk. I, I'm like, listening. the guy's going to come over. I'm sick, like I'm hot. She had at the time a workout room in her um, in her study, you know? So I was going in there like working out, you know, 16, 17 years old. And then, um, you know, finally I had had enough. I was like, I'm out and I left. I left the house and I never saw my mother again. My mother passed away the following April. Wow. Never got to make up with her. Never got to tell her I love her again. Never got to um, tell her I was sorry. 
So the 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 nugget is there's someone out there that you haven't fixed the thing with. You know, you there's someone out there that you haven't repaired the bridge that you haven't mended the wound with. If you're thinking about them, it's because you love them. Like some people are messed up and do really crazy stuff to you. And there's times that you need to cut some, trim some fat off of your life. However, there's some people in your life that you know you need to fix it with. Stop putting it off, do it today, send them a text, give them a call. Worst case scenario, if they wanna still be mad at you, let them be mad at you, but you do your due diligence to say, you know what, it's bigger than all of that. I love you. Let's just talk about it or let's talk about something else. So that's what I would, you know, advise. And that's my little nugget. Hey, that nugget is a bombshell. Cause for me, okay. I listened to Dr. Miles Moreau and he said, when someone passes, it's like an entire forest burns down. Mm. Then they would have continued to grow and give and prosper. But also, in a sense, the soundtrack of your life changes. The voice is gone. So it's a lot to deal with, a lot to take in. And you are right about technology that we spoke of. There are ways for you to communicate without having to have accountability and have to deal with whatever built up animosity that came your way for that confrontation. But you can then start a soft connect and grow. And I appreciate you sharing that. That is a awesome story. We cannot wait to hear it on your podcast for you to yep. it even more. And, and what you shared today is absolutely a blessing. And we thank you for that. Let me tell you how I bounce back on it before I wrap up on that one. Yeah, you, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I was, I was low. I was low. And I continue to be low about that all through my 20s, right? Back to the 20s until my early 30s. And I did a like a masterclass kind of program. And one of the things that the program did for me was face that, you know, elephant in the room for me. And I literally had to sit down with a person and tell the person what it is that I wanted to tell my mother. And I cried and I like said it all and I got it out. After that moment in time, I was able to own the mistake that I made and know that she was okay with it and I was okay with it that now I'm just going to appreciate her memory. And that's what got me through it is like holding it and owning it and know like, you know what? I messed up. That's my fault. But you know what? I still love you. And your memory is I'm going to hold on to your memory, not that mistake. So that's what got me through. Absolutely. That's a great nugget. You know, one of the things I want to add on top of that, one of the things I do, what you said, holding it and having yourself accountability. When I get low, I have to tell myself I put myself here. Mm-hmm. And I mean that on both sides. Like if I'm doing well and if I'm doing bad, I put myself here. Because it's a tough decision to hurt people's feelings so you can feel better. And vice versa. So I put myself here. And you realizing that I put myself here is a process of healing that most of us are very afraid to go down that road. And sometimes you have to scream, cry, self-medicate. And friend to the show, Torn Ellis said, it wasn't he said nothing made me feel better it was everything that made me feel better it wasn't just one source it wasn't just prayer it wasn't just affirmations it wasn't just it was everything that brought me out of it and for you to sit there and put an avatar on this woman 
and transform your mind to see your mother's spirit through this person is a whole level of consciousness that most of us are striving to get through for healing. And we appreciate you for that. Thank you, my brother. Now, let's have a little fun, man. Enough of the deep stuff. Let's dive into some fun questions here that we all- We went, we went pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's come back up to the surface. What have you procrastinated on and why? I think if it's one thing that I've procrastinated on is consistent physical exercise. Oh man. So like so like that's my that's my thing that I that I know that I need to improve on. That's one thing that I need to improve on. Um and I love basketball, so I play basketball and you know, I get out there and shoot. But since I haven't played with other people since the pandemic kicked off, you know what I'm saying? I haven't played since last year, probably January or February. Um, and it's not the same, just shooting around by yourself, playing one-on-one full court by myself, doing drills. It's not fun. Um, as fun, I should say. And the second thing that I've um, you know, procrastinated on is maybe journaling. You know, it's something that I used to do before we had cell phones or smartphones, I should say. Um, and I, I wasn't able to like write memos in my telephone. Before that, I was like a, a writer who wrote in a book, you know, and that's something that I want to get back into the practice of doing daily, just to kind of like put it down on paper, touch it and feel it and not trust it to a machine. You know what, that's, that speaks volumes. I can't remember the last time someone wrote a hand handwritten letter. No, it makes a big difference. A big difference, man. I remember my stepfather before he passed, I was going through his things and he wrote me a handwritten letter my first year in college. Mm. Him, Man, you could do the best things, you could be the best you are. And it was just so touching to me because it was handwritten and I yep. covering it now in the 2015 or 16. Mm -hmm. it's like, Man, he actually took the time to write me a letter. That's something different, yo. Yeah. So listening out there, if you ever make a mistake with your lady, write her a handwritten letter and send it to her. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I rip it up in anger, but it's still, I'm telling you, it will warm our heart. <laughs> yeah, yep. Talk to me about fatherhood. Now, I just yes. don't want to talk about fatherhood, whereas, oh, my kids are beautiful. They're the sum mm -hmm. of the earth. I want to talk about the moments where you love your kids, mm -hmm. but you like them right now. Talk <laughs> about the you got to have as a father. Yeah, I think, excuse me, I think for me, that I've built a lot of patience, you know, in my almost 11 years of being a, a parent. Um, I think at first, because I have experience working with children, mm -hmm. that that helped me a lot. But my two-year-old is like something else. Like she's not like her brother was. She's like a tyrant, like literally like commands the house and I'm trying to like use some of the techniques and strategies that I use with her brother on her and she's not going for it. She's really, uh, she has a, a huge vocabulary at two years old. She's, she's saying stuff that maybe, not curses or anything, but just saying stuff that's just a little like, what? Like the uh, like today, she we were in the car and she was like, dad, there's a lot of crowds there. I was like, crowds where? Like where crowds of what? And I'm looking around, she's like, right there, the crowds, the crowds. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, the crowds. I was like, oh, the clouds. <laughs> like, and she's pointing oh. at all of the clouds. But um, I would say what helps me to maintain a high level of patience with them 
is just no like feeling the frustration coming and the anger before I can before I take it out on them. You know what I'm saying? Because the initial reaction for a human being is when someone is doing something um to them, they want to respond or react. Like, you know, and for me, I try not to react, you know, with them. I, I prefer to just like interact with them. So when it's happening, I have to like, oh, this is making me mad. This is irritating me. I know it's irritating me. Let me take ownership ownership of it and make sure I don't do something silly, like, you know, curse or whatever it is. Um, so it's it's hard, man. But you know, it's I, I tell people all the time, it's the hardest job I ever had in my life, but it's also the most rewarding job I've ever had in my life. You said something about reacting instead of reacting, you interacting. I have a story for you really quick. Mm -hmm. My son is three. Mm -hmm. And I've never spoke to him like he was a baby. I've always used mm -hmm. my vocabulary where I am. Mm -hmm. him yep. me. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to we had to leave the house and go to the grocery store. And I say, hey, son, turn the game off. It's time for us to go to the store. He goes, wait a minute. I am watching something. It is almost over. Now, if you grew up in the 90s, when I grew up... <laughs> There's a shoe coming. There's a curse out coming. There's a bunch of things coming your way. And I was taught that. So mm -hmm. I immediately went into that. I said, if you don't, and then I stopped and caught myself. I, I, this is the first time. I was like, you better come on right now. He started to cry. So then we left, came back. And then it happened again, where mm -hmm. it's another situation we had to leave. I said, man, we got to go. He said, hold on one second. I want to finish watching this. I'm almost done. So then I had to say to myself, I taught him to communicate with me. And now I'm killing that by being super aggressive and not recognizing that he's asking politely and that he's communicating with me. So I went and sat down and said, hey, you know, I understand you want to watch the show, but we have to weigh our priorities here. We have to go to the store and get some grocery mm -hmm. and make sure the house is, is complete so then we can come back and play. So I sat down and talked to him. He said, we got to get some groceries. Well, why don't you just say that? Yeah, let's go. And the mm. conversation, I just want to teach any man listening. If you are, if you're treating your son and talking to him the way I am, just regular talk, he's going to feel like he's your equal. E even though he is not, he's going to have a say-so very early in what he wants to do with his time. Recognize a conversation is all you need to have instead of your natural frustrations of being the overlord or the parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that you said that perfectly. And, I, and for me... In those moments with my son, my, like my older child, now, that's a whole different dynamic. And he's getting to the point where, like you, I, I, I spoke to him with the words and the vocabulary that I use because I intentionally wanted to help him to build his vocabulary, which he did. You know, he's a very well-spoken and, um, you know, articulate young man. But he's also really like slick. You know, and when we have those moments, he, he does the thing where it's almost like, and how many children do you have? I have one. I have the one. one. So this is one thing for me that I've learned with him is that he'll respond to me the way I respond to him sometimes. Mm-hmm down to the mannerisms yes absolutely <laughs> and i'm like okay he's like he's like dad today i think he told me today i was helping him with his homework he has a math test tomorrow and i'm helping him with it and i'm like bronson like like bronson come on like like come on you just got to do the thing or whatever i'm telling him right he's like dad 
you appear to be frustrated right now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you appear from your body language, you appear to be a little frustrated. It's okay that it's okay. I'm like, he's patting me on my back. So yeah. it's all it, it, more frustrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's also showing me that you know we are modeling the behavior that our children are going to adopt right and it's not even their fault it's it's like you said earlier you know um i put myself here mm. you know in parenting you put yourself there so you whatever light you're shining on your kids or whatever you're projecting on them they're learning from you so you know 99 percent of the time in this house it's like filled with love and kindness you know what i'm saying but those moments now he's getting to the age where he can because it's always love and kindness that he can address when he sees it going the wrong way which i think is you know all those a little frustrating it's also pretty cool i got you know since we on the kids stories it's funny because i play xbox with my brothers in order to stay connected in america mm -hmm. So I don't really play, but I get on the headset. And every time I got on, you know, being from New York, I'm like, yo, like, like, yeah. Yeah, right? like exactly, right? I didn't recognize how much my son was watching me till one day he grabbed my phone, got on the Xbox app and contacted his uncles. He was like, you And I'm like, oh no, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. Cause, cause he does it. Mm. He just piggybacking off everything. Now, every time he gets on it, he be like, you're, I'm like, okay, yep. daddy, you do it. I'm like, listen, stop, <laughs> stop. Daddy, you do it. Daddy, you do it, stop. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. <laughs> look, look, do as I say, not as I do. Like, I never, yeah, yeah. that was one of the craziest sayings, but I had to really start checking myself in. And I love the fact that I had to evaluate myself like that. Yep. And I think for parents, especially new parents out there, fathers, that, know that you're going to make mistakes know that there's no one who's perfect at it it is a job that it's like you have to learn on the job because every child is different mm -hmm. and it's no like you there's tons of books out there that helps you to learn about parenting and you could read those books but the experience that you have with the child will be the best training and it's just important to just always kind of come back to center and know that you're the parent and what you do will teach them how to, you know, interact with other people in the future. Absolutely. And since we're talking kids, I love this next question. This next question is very fun for me because I love to hear the reaction of the guests on the show. Are you ready for this question? Absolutely. Are you sure? <laughs> Not so much now, but <laughs> it's a fun question, but I would love to hear your answer. Yeah. Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Mm -hmm. I would say my dad. He my did. dad was really, yeah, my dad was not shy about that. It was, we didn't have a household where it was like no one wanted to talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, so for me, I had that kind of like in that, that male influence in my life because I went to live with my dad, just me and my dad when I was in the first grade, like I said earlier. So like I grew up being raised by a guy, you know, like it was like, you know, taking a shower was optional some days, you know what I'm saying? Where, <laughs> you know, so when it was time, when it was time to finally talk about that, I had someone who kind of like gave me the lowdown, 
in terms of protection, all of that stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I, I was really fortunate to have that. Yo, you don't know how fortunate you are. Some of our guests, some of them learn from adult films. Some of them yeah. learn from their counterparts. Some of them said, take some earwax and stick it in the, and stick it in to see if it burns or not. You know, she have STD. Young, young uncles, hey, did you jump off the porch yet? Did you stick your hot dog in that bun? Like, it's all types of things. Afraid of. I had one guest tell me when he was 13, 14, his dad looked at him and said, hey, do you know about sex? And he looked at him and said, hey, yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> like, so there's so many things that the overall me asking this question is because I see how much child support and government is getting in our relationship. I see how many people are making the financial mm -hmm. mistakes with having kids and not having responsibility. Just having that talk about how fun sex is going to be for you. You're going to enjoy mm -hmm. it but you could overindulge in it and ruin your life a little bit if you don't know how to discipline yourself on when to actually go obtain it and when to actually be working for your life goals. And I, and mm. I think you need to talk about those things. I had one uh, guest say, he's a doctor, his name is Dr. Pat, and he was like, we should look at his science. Parents should stop running from the science talk, not the talk, not the birds and the bees, mm. but actual science. Yep, and yep. The reality of it, and I think <laughs> I think another friend to the show, Cam West, said it starts with the respect of women. And as parents told him, just being respectful of women. Mm. And that's what that wasn't actual, actual sex talk, but that was the first layer of it. And I think yep. you just need to be more aggressive and talk about sex because in our community, it can lead to a lot of nuances that you don't want in your life. Absolutely. And I think, especially for, for young guys out there you know one thing that i tell you know some of the young men that i've mentored over the years is that if you lay with them be prepared to stay with them because even if like the person that you lay with you know like you know what that's not the one that i want to be with mm -hmm. she could turn around and be like, yo, I'm pregnant, it's yours. Uh -huh. And even if it's not yours, unless you go through all the bells and whistles and journeys of in-court paternity tests and all of that stuff, any woman could stop right now if she knows your last name or your first name and say, yo, that's my baby. You put you on a birth certificate, whatever it is. That is so it. I, always, I always tell young men like, yo, if you lay with them, be prepared to stay with them. And it's just like, I know some people live their lives differently. And I, you know, I, I would strongly encourage young men, like when you lay with somebody, just know that they, there's a certain amount of power that's exchanged when you lay with somebody. And it's a lot of energy, you know, whatever it is, universal energy, but just like legal power. Once someone says like, hey, I lay with that person, that they have the right to be like, yo, you did it. Right. And and when your name goes on that birth certificate, it's hard to take it off. It's hard. There there are there are men right now who pay child support for a child that DNA results show that it's not theirs. But since their name is on the birth certificate, they are legally binded to pay child support. And if they don't pay, you know all the repercussions that happens. There's so many things that I I'm not saying child support is a bad thing. 
because there are some bad people. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is the conversation of sex needs to go in depth to these levels so we can understand what's going on out here. Because somebody, Absolutely. somebody's getting rich off us. Getting rich mm-hmm. off our mistakes on every turn. And if we got to start putting some end uh, road, road close signs up so we can say, I'm not going down that road like he did. Yep, that's not the road for me. Here we go. You're the 15th person I'm about to ask this question. It is a brand new question to the show. Now, it's two things nice. I want you to let me know here. <laughs> you say nice right now. <laughs> it's two things. I need to know if this question is too intrusive, whether I should keep it or not. And you don't have to answer it if you do not want to. Because Fair it, enough. to me, it's very intrusive. But some of my, I out of 14 guests, only one chose not to answer. No mm-hmm. pressure. I'm just letting you know how it goes. And they told me I should keep it. But I'm always going to present the question this way from now on. And you are number 15. Are you ready for this question? Absolutely. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? What Mm. was abusive to you that you thought was love? How did you recognize it? How long did it take for you to accept it? Mm. I want to answer this one, but I can't just because of legal matters, Mm. like speaking honestly. But there's, I, I would say this to that though, that love don't hit you. Love don't spit on you. Love doesn't call you out your name. Love doesn't talk about your dead mother. Mm. Um, So I would say if someone out there is in a relationship, man or woman, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and that, that kind of like uh, behavior is, you know, occurring in the relationship, that is not love and it is abuse and it's okay to say no. I think what keeps people in those type of relationships is the, the idea of not being able to find someone new and not being able to um, live a life after the abuse. So I would rather endure the abuse because that's what I know is love because they're good days, right? So the person, the abuser, and the abuse, they have days where it's not an abusive relationship on the surface. It's like love and fun and we're going to the movies, to the movies, Netflix and chill, whatever it is, right? But I do believe that people have tolerance levels. So like, I know people who have been in relationships for 20 years and they're like, you know, cool with like, shut your, shut your tail up, blah, 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 blah. And they talk like that to each other. And that's okay if you have your tolerance level. However, once it becomes physical, or once it's something that you're not okay with, it's not love. And you know, it's so much layers to that. It's ridiculous, right? It's to the point where, when does like come into play? And what I mean by that is, how much do you really like yourself to leave? Mm -hmm. Mm Because you you said you stay because you you really don't like yourself. You think you're, you're unequipped. And love and like, like you can love someone but you could be bad love. Frontage mm. Mooney said, you don't have to be bad to be bad for me. Mm-hmm. And loving and liking is something that we have to start separating the two. And then all the other nuances that come with you leaving a relationship. If you have kids, if you poured so much into you now, if you leave, you have nothing. The scariness of all these things. And 
we dive into these things that are abusive to us that we thought was love and we we were scared to recognize it and we're scared to accept it so for those out there it's not easy it's very difficult start goal setting and start walking towards loving and liking yourself and that's how you get out of that situation loving and liking yourself more than the situation no matter yep. who's involved yep and i think especially for men because i know you know your audience you know our young fathers yeah. that it, it it's not okay for you know a woman to do that to you i think oftentimes we in the public arena it's typically the man is abusing the woman right so it's like oh he hit you she hit she you can't hit her we're gonna jump in blah, blah 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 like that's how i grew up that was it it wasn't like it was like if you got beat up by your girl you were a sucker it was like you you got beat up by your girl like what so if there's like men out there who are like getting hit by a woman like yo like it's not okay you know what i'm saying because our rule is right a woman hits you you don't hit them back you walk away like but if they're chasing you you know with a weapon or something then maybe it's not uh a situation that you need to be in right because at, at all honesty a lot of people like to say we're equal we're not equal in strength we're just not right this is me mm -hmm. honest if that moment you lost your patience or you lost your cool that can end up both of you doing a whole different lifetime of absolutely one could be a living, one could be not, but whoever's living is gonna be living in judicial court systems. Mm -hmm. And this is gonna be a whole tornado. So remove yourself before that category five and six kicks in. You've probably been there for category three. It didn't tear the house down, mm -hmm. but you need to get out of there before that thing grows further. Thank you for sharing that with us, sir. No, my pleasure, man. Keep the question, keep the question. Thank you. Should there be a basic training program amongst men, a level, of, a level of education given out in our communities? And what I mean by that is outside the school system, outside the church, outside of the Boys and Girls Club. We know there's men's programs out there right now, but I'm talking about if you and I were neighbors and you knew about financial literacy and I knew about how to change the tire and gardening. We then taught each other to teach our kids to grow our community, to grow our tribe. I'm talking about financial literacy, communication, how to change a tire, how to change a tie, gardening, mm -hmm. general wealth building, stock, real estate, speaking with the elderly with intent. Do you ever think we can ever reach that goal of community and tribe? Yes, I, I think that it exists in certain places and in certain spaces, you know, especially right now, like you said earlier, like for all of the negative things that the pandemic has brought, it's connected people um, all over the world, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because they, we have these tools. So I think like, yes, it is possible. I think it's important for people who are um, visionaries in a sense where they wanna bring people and create a kind of community that's generational community. Cause I think oftentimes we have, and not speaking you and I, but just like uh, as a people, oftentimes we have a short lens. Our lens is just like, okay, I gotta like, pay the bills this week. You know what I'm saying? I got to like figure out what we're going to do this weekend. Like we going on vacation where we going for vacation this summer. It's not like, okay, you know, how is my 10 year old son going to get to where he needs to be when he's 25, 
30? Like, what is he going to have or what is he, what kind of resources will he have available to him? So I think, um, like clubhouse, there's, um, the new app clubhouse that a lot of people are having those kind of conversations there. Um, but it could be as simple as a, a community, you know, like through your podcast, you know, the having like-minded individuals who have resources and have specific skill sets and contributions to like a pot, you know, like you bring everything into the pot and then everyone in the community can kind of share. I think it's a dope idea. And I think, you know, I'd be down to contribute anything I can to something like that. If you ever, you know, wanted to kind of pool our resources together to help young brothers to make sure that they don't have to go through the growing pains and some of the challenges that we've already been through. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I got from that when I was little, when we didn't have bread, we went next door to get it. Like you see in Bad Boys when Martin says, you come in a ball cup of sugar. But that was a real thing in my community where we ran extension mm-hmm. cords from each other's house because we didn't have lights at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever see that now. I don't think mm-hmm. people know their neighbors anymore. Mm-mm. Like in detail, like even like, hey, know their neighbor's name. They might see them in the hallway or see them in passing, driving on the street. But people don't talk anymore. And that yeah. hurts us more than it helps us indeed. And I hope we get back to that. Now, there are men's programs and things of that nature. But I'm mm-hmm. talking about it being so entrenched in your household that stocks is fun to your nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like stocks is fun. Dad, stocks is great. I, I got stock. Even mm-hmm. if he doesn't have a real account, he's just having fun with it. It would then just plant that seed for when he turns 18, 16, 17. He's now understands he can get money legally in a different way than most he might be on TV. Yep. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. I want to poll you now. Have some more fun here today. I want to know the top three things you want in a woman. And the reason I ask this question is because There's always a word I believe people leave out. Now, as of lately, I will admit men have been guessing the word in my head, but this is subjected towards you. I want to know your top three, and then I'm going to tell you what criteria I would like to add or if you said it. And it doesn't change anything about what your answers are, but I just want to have this conversation on why sometimes we leave one of the most important things out. Mm -hmm. I think the first, the or just the, first three things that come to mind for me is, um, you know, a a kind heart, you know, which is something my wife, she's like, that's one thing that stood out to me. She's a beautiful woman physically, but like she, she's a person that she puts people, you know, before herself often and she's always serving, you know? Right. So that's one thing that's really important for me. Um, or, you know, was important for me because I'm off the market now, right? Um, and another thing was physical attraction, you know, it was really important for me. Like, I want to make sure that, you know, it's a situation, you know, that I'm pleased with the physical attraction and connection that we have. And I think the last thing would be partnership, that it's a partner, it's someone that's not just, and that's something that we we work on, right? Like marriage is a, a is a, a job too, right? You got to work at it to be good at it. You're going to awesome. make some mistakes, you know, whatever it may be. But I think for me, that's another thing that really being able to look at someone and say, Hey, like this could be my partner. Like this is someone that we can partner up on life together. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely, absolutely. Those are three great answers, and I want to thank you for sharing that. The word I always say is intelligence. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that too. I was like, yeah, that's one too. That's one too. Yeah, because it doesn't come guaranteed. I just want men to know it doesn't come guaranteed. And sometimes there are moments where your physical, the highest form of expression is not obtainable at the moment in long relationships, right? Mm-hmm. There'll be moments where somebody's not feeling well, they're feeling sick, but their intelligent level to speak about things, to intrigue you with their mind for what you prefer or where you are mentally is an actual what is it? It's a, a turn on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a euphoric place. It's, yep. it's a, it take you there. It's elevated. And I just want guys to actually look for intelligence in a woman as well. And I want men, I want men to look for intelligence in a woman. If, if, if they feel that's something that they can add on to. Even Their list. Add, you add to the list. They don't have to be yep. top three, but add to the list. That's I love that. Think about that. How much are you trying to understand communication? We talked about you wanting someone who's kind, wanting someone who's a partner. Mm-hmm. How much are you trying to understand your wife and communication? Are you studying love, the five love languages? Are you doing certain things to understand communication within your marriage? How much are you diving into that? Well, I would say that like I'm a communications major. Like that's what I'm studying right now. <laughs> but right. um in terms of our marriage, communication is something we discuss all the time. And there are obviously moments where, you know, I could do better as the husband. But I think overall, the fact that we're addressing the areas that we need to either improve on or get better at, or, you know, even just address, you know what I mean, is important. And I think that's the key to communication is like not letting the thing that needs work just kind of sit under the couch and you know grow hair it needs to like let's get it out let's dust it off and take a look at it and discuss it so i would say that yes it's something we work on but no we're not perfect but um it's something that is always on our um our table you know when we're we're trying to work on our marriage absolutely thank you for those questions because marriage is a long seasonal thing and you have to work on your jump shot work on your post game work on your layup work on your dribble so just equated to basketball you work on one thing at a time with that focus and then that becomes you can add that to your game but doesn't make you the total package you're still trying to throughout your career add different things so you can play better defense and offense out there so i appreciate that information I want to talk to you about this question that I really ask on the show, but with your background with being with kids, I want to see what mm-hmm. you can say about this. I know you have experience. How do I approach a man I have problems with? Establishing the value. Establishing the what? Volume. Like the volume? Like the volume, what the severity of the situation is, how mad. Okay. The volume, the energy level. Yep, yep, yep. Hmm, that's a good one. Um... Something that I learned from one of my mentors is, um, you know, when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So that's something that in my professional life, this is a prof- one of my uh, mentors from my my old job, that this is something she said all the time. She like brought it up, brought it up. And in my career there, you know, um, I was like a part-time employee and I moved on to be like the senior director, right? So like, this is like my building, a big, you know, building for youth development and, you know, programs. 
And I've had situations and I've had to talk people off the ledge. And I've also had to do that for myself. So my advice would be step back. The moment that you feel that um, there's a tension within, that tension needs attention. So it doesn't mean the attention is lashing out at the person you have a problem with. I would say the tension that needs attention is you looking within and saying like, okay, so right now I'm angry, you know, and I need to do something right now. If it's possible, if it's physically possible, step away from that. You know what I'm saying? There are situations where people, if it's a physical altercation, it, it, it may be different, especially if you are already entangled, you know, that's a different thing, right? But if you're not entangled, just like my dad taught me, like, it's okay to step away. It's okay to walk away from the table. And I think that oftentimes pride can take control of how people react to situations. And I believe that if we take a step back and look at big picture, what can the worst case repercussions be? And how will that impact my story that we can make better decisions? I like to call this an audible. This question is not in my my. Omaha, 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 right. How different is pride versus reputation? How different? Yes, because where we come from, Mm -hmm. pride is, a lot of people have pride, Mm -hmm. but your reputation avoids you a lot of situations because people have to think about whether they're going to be a part of the a part of the exchange of energy. Mm. I believe certain people only attack things that they feel that can defend themselves. Mm. You have a reputation to Mm -hmm. uphold versus your pride. Mm -hmm. Is that two different things? I could say the, I would say they're intertwined. I think they're connected. I think that you know, people are often prideful because they want to maintain whatever their reputation is. Mm-hmm. Also, people might lack pride because they don't have the best reputation. So I do believe that they're they're interconnected. However, pride has developed a negative connotation over the years. You know what I'm saying? It used to be good to be like prideful, like I'm prideful. Mm-hmm. And for me, I believe that like most things, there can be a good way to approach something and a bad way to approach it. So for me, I try not to let my pride, um, and I teach my son not to let his pride, like get in the way of kindness. So that's the thing. In life, we have to kind of prioritize our values, right? So like you might, pride might be one of your values, you know what I'm saying? Where my One of my most important, you know, optimal uh you know values is kindness like pride doesn't even stand a chance you know what i'm saying so i don't really care about like how people view me and all of that that was maybe in my 20s robin right so i would say yes they're interconnected but depending on who the person is it's case sensitive on what carries more weight based on their values so does pride have intertwined also with stubbornness i i I believe so in most cases or, or in some cases Absolutely. I just wanted to break that down to see if there's a big difference because reputation, a lot of people do a lot of things so they have a reputation to uphold. They're not not necessarily are proud of what they just did. Mm -hmm. Reputation to uphold. Yeah. I think about how intertwined they are and whether they are saying the same thing. Like, are you finished or are you done? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about leaving a legacy of kindness, leaving a legacy between our families, but we mostly ignore major steps. Do you have a will? Like a will and testament? Yes. A will and testament. I do not have a will and testament right now, but that's one of the conversations on the table with the wife. (laughs) Absolutely. So we're talking about that. I'm happy. I'm happy you guys are having that conversation. Why do you think our culture as a people are afraid to have that conversation? I think honestly, you know, it's probably two things. The first thing is like the fear of death. Like I'm not trying to die. So I'm not trying to put something in right and that would connect me with death in any way. And I think the other one might be um, undervaluing, you know, their assets or whatever it is that they own or have, you know, and thinking like, why would I do that? I don't have anything anyway. So why would I write a will? Who am I writing a will for? You know, so I think that might be two reasons. I think learning this show, I learned that we need to change the knowledge and information of how we talk about wills. Mm-hmm. It should be looked at as an investment mm-hmm. versus, and a will to live versus something that we look at. I know we deal with a lot of trauma in our culture. So that so we're always fighting death as soon as we walk through our door. And in some cases, death shot through our window, right? Yeah. While we're playing video. So we have we have so many things to think about trauma-wise, and we try to compartmentalize it, but not even talking about death. But if we talked about it as an investment, I think the energy would change because friend to the show, Cameron Wesley Sr., and I talk about him almost every episode. Mm-hmm. He enlightened me that his that our cultural counterparts look at death as an investment, as realist, they look at insurance as an opportunity to invest in their family's patriarch they take out insurance mm-hmm. for their parents and their grandparents and we're not talking about ten thousand fifty thousand we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. that family gets together and make sure that everything is secure so when that person passes they leave a lineage of money and opportunity for them to take some of that money and continue to keep their family strong love I it i think if we had that knowledge and information talked about and passed on us some of us would be able to make the sacrificial adjustments to make sure those things are in place, especially when we come from a great line of heart disease, mm-hmm. diabetes, cancer. We have to start putting things in place so where we don't have to do GoFundMes. And, and those Love it. Well said, brother. And, and wills itself are just a one-time conversation, and I'm happy you and your wife are having that conversation. Yeah, yeah, we are. It's a rough conversation. I'm not saying it's easy. It's been it's been pretty easy for us, <laughs> you know, because the, honestly, the, um, not to cut you off, but honestly, this pandemic, you know, we've had some serious um, health issues since the pandemic cut, you know, started, you know, um, and it's kind of just changed our perspective on a lot of things. So, you know, we left New York you know, during this pandemic, we now live in in Georgia, you know what I'm saying? Bought a house, like things are different now, you know, where we were in New York City, you know, doing well for ourselves in New York City, but it was in New York City. And as you know, that's a really expensive place to live, you know, Um, especially with two children, two parents working full-time demanding jobs. So I think where we are now, not just um, as individuals, but as a partnership me and her like we are like that's an easy conversation for us it's like oh we got to do that too oh yeah we got to you know switch phone carriers oh yep we got to do the will it's like it's like 
just business right now for that kind of stuff. We just got to get it done so we can make sure that our kids, you know, are set up and our, our, our family is, is taken care of. Absolutely, man. I didn't know you moved, man. Congratulations, though. Thank you, brother. Yeah, we 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 down south now, so we we've been here since October. And honestly, man, like I I, I miss New York, you know. And I and I I had a lot of time to like build a lot of foundation there, and I and I and I'm really proud of a lot of the things that I've done there. But this is really for for the family, and I think that for me as an individual, them being good is me being good. I had to grow myself out of my maturity because. This is no shade to South Carolina. South Carolina, y'all know I love y'all. When my son was born at the South Carolina Hospital and his birth certificate said he was from South Carolina, I was like, he's a New Yorker like me. Don't do that. <laughs> no, the passports and the and the birth certificates hold weight, man, you know? So, yeah, I, I can feel you on that. Yeah, so I definitely was like, well, this is his life, so. But I love South Carolina, but y'all gotta understand. This is where daddy's from. So he wanted, if daddy was from New Zealand, I would want him to be from New Zealand like me. You know, it yeah. just, it's just different. You start to realize that it's a whole different life. Yeah, man. We got a few more questions to go, then we're gonna wrap it up. But I appreciate you hanging in here this long. You're doing a great job. And I wanna put you in another scenario where you already are in this scenario, but I want you to answer this question subjectively, of course. But when you answer, I would like for you to give your why. Are you ready? This is a fun question. This is one of my, my this is one of my funnest, uh, the funnest is the word. This is one of my favorite questions to ask men on the show. And I love to hear what they have to say. There's no wrong answer. I'm just going to listen to you and we're going to just move on from that. Let's go. As a husband, mm -hmm. would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? Mm. Uh, that's a tough one for me. I think, you know, when I think of her, I think of her as both. I don't separate her being a woman and her being my wife. She's just an entity, uh, an amazing, like, you know, irreplaceable entity in my life, you know? So for me, that's really hard for me to answer. If I had to pick, if I had to pick one of the two. No, you don't. It's subjective. Oh, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so if I'm, I'm going to stick to it, that like they're synonymous, they're, they're, they're connected, you know, like she is my woman and my wife and, you know, the things that she does as a wife, like if we're talking like biblical wife duties, like she does her thing. And just as a woman and what she contributes to the world, her being, you know, um, you know, so aware of, you know, social matters in the world and she's an educator and she's shaping lives daily and you know like that that's, the, that's one of the reasons that you know I, I fell in love with her like you say like intelligence one of the reasons like which for me kind of goes without saying was her intelligence the fact that she was like you know founding um she was a founder of a a a, a program in brownsville you know what i'm saying like like Brownsville, like a program like we've never seen before where they were doing services, not just in the school, but also they were serving the families at their homes for, you know, um, for, for, for really early childhood age kids, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I would say that her light, you know, connects those two titles. Absolutely, great answer, great answer. You're a lucky man and you're a shining example of those who want to get married. We're in a whole different generation of people who don't really subscribe to that. 
But if they had an example, you would be that, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, and I, I'm blessed, man. I like, honestly, like I, sometimes I have to pinch myself. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, you know, like, like you talked about like the, the extension cords, you know, sharing the, the sugar, like, you know, mayonnaise sandwiches, toasting your bread with an iron, yeah. like all of that stuff. Like, you know, like I've been through that. Like, you know, I was in the peas, you know, in Brownsville, New York, you know, um, all over New York, actually, me and my pops would move all the time. There were times where we lived in like a, a, a room in a basement, you know what I'm saying? Where I, we didn't even have a bathroom. Like, so I had like some times in my life that when I look around now where I am and what I have and, you know, the the partnership that I have with my wife and the the, the opportunity that I have to raise these two great kids, it's just like, I'm, I, I pinch myself sometimes. I'm like, God, I'm blessed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely validation from your partner it's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman mm -hmm. robin marks i ask you this do you defend the title and what i mean by that is are you being the best versions of yourself every day so when she walks in the room she says mm, that's my man <laughs> when y'all go out are you dressing better than her like you better keep up because i'm my best self today are you defending the title that's a good one i think you have to ask her now um, <laughs> no, I, I honestly, man, um, you know, I think that the title is, you know, it's an eternal title. So, you know, in basketball, people got to come back like LeBron and them are trying to come back this year for another one. I don't got to come back for another one. Mine's my, like my, my banner is in the rafters. My jersey's in the rafters. You know what I'm saying? You know how Charles Barkley used to be like a beast on a, you know, never won a chip. You know what I'm saying? Shaq, he got a couple of chips. Whoever it is, like any basketball player, the the, the ones who won the championships, you can't take the championships away from them. They have that. So for me, this eternal championship, this eternal banner that I look at, you know what I'm saying, that's upstairs right now, and, or I'm her banner, whatever it is, it's like, there's no defending it because it's eternal, it's mine, it's, it's, it's immortalized in the rafters forever. So no, I don't dress up her, <laughs> you know, and, um, and she likes it that way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she, she, she is the one that like, spends money to get the stuff because I won't really like buy new stuff. Most of the stuff as like people send me stuff, I get like free stuff here, but like this, she cop for me. My brother gave me this for his, you know, thing that he was working on. So I think the thing that I try to do and I would encourage young uh, men or any, you know, husband or fiance or someone is who's in a relationship right now is to really just make sure you serve your woman. And I think that's the most important thing, more important than getting your hair cut or having a nice suit on, you know what I'm saying? Is making sure that you can serve your woman and just do your best to hear her out and find out what her needs are or the things that she needs um, you to do for her and hear her and see her. Absolutely, I appreciate that answer, man. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. And I gave them 20% each. Again, that's mm -hmm. purpose, health, 
confidence, money, and knowledge. Adding up to 100% for 20% each, I do a daily average for myself to give myself a sum at the end of the week to see how well I've been operating towards my goals and bettering my life. Mm -hmm. Purpose meaning working in my purpose, doing my work. Health meaning working out, eating right, meditating or praying. Confidence meaning I'm doing without any fear, intimidation or any insecurities. Money, I made a little money today, saved a little money, invested or donated to a charity. Knowledge, I took in some new information. So Mr. Robin Marks, purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. How much of 100% have you been operating out of in the last 24 hours? Last 24 hours. So what's the first one? Purpose. Purpose, I would say 20%. What's the health. next one? Health. I would say I played ball today. You know, oh. and it, you know, funny thing is, is that the floor was wet. And you know, when you play outdoors, like, oh, some that might be a, like an opportunity to be like, nah, I'm not doing it. I went and did it in, in the rain, you know what I mean? Or with a wet floor or whatever. So like the, I had to wash the ball off in a puddle cause it had mud on it, all of that. So I would say I would go like about 17 there. Okay, 17. that's good, that's about good. about 17 and we went for a walk too. What's the next one? Confidence. Confidence, I would say 20. Money, that is- Money. Go ahead. You no know, investments that is paid a bill, that is made some, that is, you know, it's a lot of things to do with money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I did make some money today. I sold some beats today, so I'm happy about that. So I, I would say uh, 15% because I wish I would have did a little more, but if I would say 15% on money. Knowledge. Knowledge, I would say, I didn't really, like I, I, I usually save a little time for um, reading at night. And this is taking that time. And I don't do homework until Wednesday or Thursday. And I, and I was so busy, I'm, I'm homeschooling my daughter. Like this is our like studio slash classroom here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I didn't really um, take in any new information like that. So I'm gonna say just from what I learned from interacting with her today, probably about a 5% today. Okay. I, okay. I so, so you're operating at a 15 plus, you're operating at 77%, sir. Yeah, I could do better. I could have did better today. Absolutely. I mean, but the, the whole thing is just realizing that you realize to yourself, like, okay, I've only operated 77%. I know I can do better. Let me get up and make sure I get these things done. It's just a motivator. Yep. And you know, I had a, a little thing that I did similar to this where it was a scale though, like a, I believe it was a one to five scale. And I had all of these different buckets, very similar to yours. And it wasn't like I was you know, creating, you know, a total score, but I wanted to see what areas I needed to improve on. And right. one area that always came back over and over was my friendships, like, mm -hmm. like my non family connections, like my, like my pals from like back in the day, whoever it was. And then I realized after like looking at that number below every, every, every week, I was like, there's a reason for that. And the reason was, is that many of my friends are not, we're doing different things now. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay to like love people from a distance. Like I don't need to like ride, my, ride around with my friend who might have the heat in the whip. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't need to go anywhere. I can like text you or call you, you know what I'm saying? 
Oh no! Listen, we were both born and raised in New York, and and a lot of places have those. You're gonna know somebody who has all of those things going on in life. That is their yeah. end. That's where they're headed. But you don't have to be headed in the right direction. Your focus and their focus is two different focuses. They can be right next to you. Yeah. Have to say, hey, what's going on? But I love the word. I love the fact you use the word pals. I'm about to show my age here. Movie called Young Guns is the uh, when they use the word pals. I was like, you said pals. Yeah. Pals. No, that was yo. Me and my cousin, we used to watch um me and my cousin grew up together like brothers you know we grew up in the same house for probably about i want to say six or seven years middle school and high school and yo we used to go this is in north carolina they there's these like big chunks of dirt that you could get from like if there was a a crop that had dried up you get these hard pieces of you know mud and when you throw them they explode and you remember that scene at the end where they were like having a wild shootout yeah. we would like throw these things at each other while we're behind a wall and it would be exploding so like young guns that totally you know hits home for me like i i can relate yeah young guns great film thank you sir you are now part of the silhouette boys club it is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine now before you go we love to get referrals for the show is there anyone you would like to come on this show drop these gems and continue this conversation in manhood Oh man, I think one that would be really good would be my brother, Big Zoo. I think Big Zoo would be really good for your show and I'll connect you with him. He's- Yes, please do, connect us he's with him. Nah, Big Zoo is that guy. He'd be perfect for this. Absolutely, we gonna thank you for coming on today. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people? And I also ask that you give two books that you're reading that you're reading right now to educate the people, but give us some information about who you are and what you're doing. Um, so uh, Robin Marks and um, my focus is really helping uh, creatives to, you know, bring their visions to life through sound. Um, so I work with musicians, you know, rappers, singers, producers, but also I work with podcasters as well as film filmmakers to just provide, uh, you know, creative customized sounds for them. Um, so right now I'm working on a new project. It's called Robin Marks Live. It's going to be happening every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's gonna be on Twitch, it's gonna be on Facebook Live, it's gonna be on YouTube Live, also gonna be on Periscope. Um, so I'm launching that next month. That's a new project that I'm working on just so I could try to expand my reach and just provide uh, value to more people. Um, also right now, I'm currently hosting a podcast called The Voicey Grand Podcast. So you can catch The Voicey Grand Podcast out on you know all, um, you know, podcast networks or Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts. And also, if you guys need beats, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Robin Marks. Um, you could also grab a free beat pack. I always give a free beat pack to anybody that's interested in just hearing some of my sounds. Absolutely, brother. He makes some great beats, too. And he's of now culture. Hold on one second, sir. I'll be there in a second. Hey, hey, you are hungry. Yes. Uh, excuse me for one second. Yes. It's all good. Go in the room. I'm almost finished. I'll make you some pancakes. And you have to rub your stomach. Go in the room. Thank you. Okay, I will make you some food. 
Yes, sir. Everyone do recognize, I recognize how well you do with the packs. I've heard your music and heard your, seen your passion and see how much information you give out on Instagram. So please follow him. Before you go also, please tell us two books you're reading right now. Oh yes. So I, I wasn't prepared for this, for the for the audience, but I, I, I usually keep one or two on my desk and I take a little time every night to read. So the one I just finished, that was this month, is called Go Live. So it's really about, um, you know, learning how to grow your business by utilizing live platforms. So that's one of the reasons I'm starting my live um, program, uh, Robin Walks Live, um, and also gives you some input on how to like, you know, kind of fine tune your podcast. And the next one is called uh, This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. I just started this one. So it's really a marketing uh, book to just kind of help you to develop um, your skills as a digital marketer. Who's the author for Go Live? You said- uh, the uh, Go Live is Jerry Gittemore. Jerry Gittemore. All right, that's awesome, man. Thank you for no, sharing. Great, great book. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we go, I want to say thank you for coming on the show today. I want to say thank you for making the time. I know it took us about a month or two to get this done and I was excited about it and I waited and I was like, hey man, I know we're going to get it done and I appreciate you so much. No, man, thank you so much. I appreciate what you're doing and if you need anything, reach out to me and for your audience out there, please, if you guys need anything, at Robin Marks on most platforms, but especially Instagram, I'm very active there. Absolutely. For those listening, you can reach me at solutionsformen at gmail.com to be a guest on the show. Also at Sheen One on all platforms. Let's continue this conversation on Clubhouse, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or in the street if you see me. We end today's show with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success, not, <clears throat> excuse me. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So question of the day, question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Solutions. Mr. Robin Marks, we thank you.